welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, let's uh, begin with some breaking news, some semi-breaking news. Earlier today, a judge in New York, this Judge Engeron, fined former President Trump $350-plus million. He was found guilty in the civil fraud trial, and he has to uh, pay out a lot of money. And he's barred from running any New York businesses for three years the left is trying to destroy him for obvious reasons. They want to keep him out of the White House. His sons, Donald uh, Trump's sons, Don Jr. and the other guy, I can't think of his name, but they have to pay out $4 million each. The judge in this case did stop short of dissolving the businesses, but I mean, he's going to have to pay big time. He's going to have to file bankruptcy, probably. It won't be the first time. There was no victim or victims in this crime, so to speak. And the New York Times did a piece this week on on this story. And the AG, Letitia James, uh, used the law, which I guess is referred to by its shorthand, 6312, which has been on New York's rule books for years. And James used it. And she's aimed that same rule at a wide range of corporate giants, uh, ExxonMobil, tobacco uh, brand Juul, and pharma executive Martin Shkreli, according to the New York Times. But in Trump's case, James accused the former president of inflating his net worth to obtain favorable loans and other financial benefits. That's being smart the way I look at it, but it's against the law in New York if you're Donald Trump. So James claimed that Trump defrauded his lenders, but his lenders got paid back in full. Nobody lost out in the deal, only Trump, to the tune of $350 plus million dollars. The law does not require, according to the New York Times, does not require the AG to show that Trump had intended to defraud anyone or that his actions resulted in financial loss. So this judge, Arthur Engeron, the one who's mugging for the cameras all the time, presided over the case. He sided with James, naturally, on her core claim before the trial began. And they said that Trump engaged in a pattern of fraud, exaggerating the value of his assets. So, and that's and that's that. I mean, you know, no surprise, really. I think everybody knew that Trump was going to be found guilty. The other big story out of Georgia is this uh, Fannie Willis, or Fonny. People are calling him, or Fonny, I think, uh, NPR calls her. Everybody can call her, can call her a, few, a few things. But Trump led the, the criticism against the Fulton County DA. Fanny, I'm going to call her. Fanny Willis, whose testimony in a hearing Thursday over her alleged misconduct, had all kinds of reaction. I I watched, you know, as as much as I could watch of it. Just looking at her, I could tell she she was just going to act ghetto, and she acted ghetto. She played the race card at times. She accused Trump's attorneys of of lying. She said at one point to the lawyer, there goes, there you are lying again. It was it got so ridiculous that the judge had a had a break. He called for a an adjournment for a few minutes, so maybe some proper decorum could be restored. There's a certain etiquette. You act a certain way when you're in a courtroom. She's she's a DA. She's she's not stupid. She's got seven or eight years of schooling, which doesn't mean you're smart, by the way. But she just I just looked at her and it's like, you're kidding me. Calling you the opposing attorney, the questioning attorney, a a liar? She was on the defense over her romance. She admitted the romance of this Nathan Wade, a prosecutor who was, you know, looking into Trump's 
uh, election meddling in 2020 in Georgia. He was installed as a top prosecutor in that case, a criminal case. And he was there in the courtroom, uh, courtroom as well. They admitted to a romantic relationship. I guess he was separated from his wife. I'm not going to go into the he said, she said business. But a judge will eventually decide if it's enough to disqualify Willis and Wade from prosecuting the case. MSNBC, according to this report from Newsmax, just stated the game's over for the fake Fannie Willis case in Georgia. Another scam coordinated with the Biden White House for purposes of election interference. That's what Trump actually posted on Truth Social. Jim Jordan, House Judiciary Chairman, who has an open investigation into whether Willis's office was using federal funds to prosecute Trump, said your tax dollars should not be used to pay for Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade to take a vacation. Those are the allegations. And they certainly shouldn't be used to target their chief political rival. That would be Donald Trump. And this from uh, Rep. Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona. Trump prosecutor Fannie Willis blew your tax dollars on lavish vacations. My legislation, the Willis Act, prohibits federal funds from being awarded to her DA office and requires the office to repay federal funds. And a CNN columnist, that's how bad it's gotten for Willis. A columnist from CNN said Willis and Wade need to step aside. She was ticked because how dare, you know, people question her, her motives. I don't care about her relationship with this this numbskull. Megan McCain <laughs> said Fannie Willis for the new season of Real Housewives of Atlanta. That's how they that's how they roll in Atlanta in Fulton County. And she's investigating Trump. Can you imagine? But, you know, when she was not so subtly playing the race card, I said to one of my colleagues at work, we were watching a few minutes of it. It's like this this woman has got she's ridiculous. I mean, what is going on? Another big story late this week in a vague statement out Wednesday by the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. The chairman of that committee, Mike Turner, Republican from Ohio, raised a serious national security threat, which lawmakers, I guess, eventually had been briefed. And he put something up on X about it. He said, I'm requesting President Biden declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. And, you know, Joe Biden, he doesn't know which way he's up at this point. But I guess the threat, from what I read of it, is from North Korea. I mean, take your pick. It could be from, uh, you know, Russia and Ukraine. It could be from China. But the Biden administration, according to this report off Drudge, is closely monitoring <laughs> a military buildup between North and South Korea along their Yellow Sea maritime border. And Kim Jong-un is threatening to redraw the two countries' Cold War map. I mean, this is serious business. Obviously, they're taking Biden for the fool that he is, and they, you know, they don't view any consequences if the North were to strike the South. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because the South is very strong militarily, much stronger than the North economically. The North would never be able to stay, sustain any kind of a, a a ground attack against the South. I don't. I know the North is built up militarily thanks to China. And certainly Russia, but I mean, you, you need a strong economy to fight a war, and, and North Korea's economy is not strong. So that was a big uh, threat earlier this week, and it's still, you know, it, can you imagine we're in office? I mean, it wouldn't be happening. None of this would. Putin would not be in Ukraine. Kim Jong-un wouldn't be saber-rattling. 
Speaking of uh, Russia, the the guy who I guess was giving Putin the most trouble, he was one of his most ardent critics, allegedly died in prison. I say allegedly, who knows? He died like uh, Jeffrey Epstein allegedly died in prison. Well, he did die, but I don't think by his own hand. This uh, Navalny spent his final years uh, undeterred. He was a, a, a vociferous critic of of Putin, and uh, so that's he's dead. Forty seven, I guess, forty seven or forty eight years of age, and he's gone. So we live in a dangerous world, obviously, and uh, the law enforcement in this country is focused not on the dangers surrounding illegal immigration or are dangerous, you know, to the southern border and to our northern border. People are massing across uh, both borders. They're focused on right-wing extremists, people who question Joe Biden's motives, you know, conservative Catholics, uh, pro-life protesters. They are the target of this administration and its intelligence agencies. We live in a dangerous world. The, the dangers we face are from our own federal government, folks, in my, in my, in my opinion. You know, and all the, all the media can talk about is Trump this and Trump that. Yeah, this, uh, the, the media wants to talk nothing about whatever ref- reflects poorly on this administration, and pretty much everything does. He's weak abroad, obviously. His foreign policy, there is no foreign policy. What's the Biden doctrine? We knew the Ra- uh, Reagan doctrine, the Trump doctrine, America first. What's Biden's doctrine? America last, obviously. And he's saying, you know, that inflation is, uh, is, in, is in check. It's not in check. I don't care what the government, the numbers the government puts out. The Labor Department put some numbers out today that its producer price index, which tracks inflation before it reaches consumers, rose 0.3% from December to January after falling 0.1% from November to December. So they're saying, you know, not to worry. Everything's in check. Have you gone shopping for food? And I've said this a million times. I apologize for repeating myself. I do most of the food shopping for our family. And I mean, eggs are four bucks a dozen here in upstate New York. I don't pay four bucks a dozen. I go to I go to an Aldi's in, in Rensselaer and pay $1.67 a dozen, which is where they should be. And I know it's a supply and demand issue, you know, partly. But there's some funny business going on with, with eggs, especially. In the wintertime, they jack up eggs. A couple of months ago, they were $1.50. Now they're, it's $3.99, $4.99 for extra large eggs. Who's going to pay that? I guess people are dumb enough to pay it. That's why the, the, the prices stay high. Like I've said before, in a free market economy, it's the buyer who sets the price, as someone once said, not the seller. If prices are too high for you, don't pay it. Don't pay the prices for exorbitant prices for eggs or milk or whatever. Just cut back on them. I know you have, if you have a family, you need eggs, you need milk, you need gasoline to get to work. But people are driving less. Gasoline, speaking of gas, their gasoline prices going up again. 343 locally. I paid 309 a week or two ago. Now it's 329 at that same station or 334. I mean, you know, come on. The number one issue for New York Staters, and I speak, and I know I don't mean to speak for everybody upstate, but for us, it's affordability. It's very, very difficult and becoming more so to make ends meet on one salary. People need two salaries. Joe Biden's not working two jobs. You don't see Joe Biden at a Home Depot on a Saturday, do you? Although he should be. He wouldn't know what to do there either. It's unbelievable. Just to make, I mean, not to save money or to invest, just to make the mortgage payments or the rent payments and to pay the food bills and the insurance costs. I have two daughters, both driving. 
one in college, the other looking at colleges. I mean, and I'm not alone. I'm the rule, not the exception. I mean, it's it's tough to make it here in upstate New York. But, you know, if you if you follow state politics in New York State, everything's about New York City. Oh, it's a, there's a housing crisis. There's no housing crisis here. Most everybody up my way own homes and they will do whatever they have to do to pay for them. But there's a big housing crisis in New York. Not enough, you know, uh, federal housing they want. They're giving paid credit cards, debit cards to illegal aliens. $53 million, the mayor of New York City. He wants these credit cards, you know, refilled every month so these illegals can pay for room and board and food. And he wants us to pay for it. And he wonders why he doesn't care, evidently, but state leaders can't figure out why 102,000 people left New York State last year and more are going to leave this year. And after I retire, I'm going to be among them, I believe. They just redistribute wealth here in New York State and they, they take it from the people who produce it and they give it to the people who don't produce it, who consume it. You can't do that indefinitely. Something has to give. You have fewer people kicking into the, the pot more people taking out of the pot. I mean, it's not, you don't have to be a, a PhD in economics to figure it out. Inflation, I don't know what the number they're giving us. I, I don't even pay attention. Eggs, gasoline, prices. Actually, pri- overall, prices are up 19% from where they were a year ago. All right, we got to wind things down here. The Chiefs, you know, won the Super Bowl again, second in a row, I guess three out of the last four years. The Chiefs, uh, people are talking dynasty. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's been in the league, what, six, seven years? Already one of the all-time greats. You have to give him his due. There was a mass shooting uh, after the game. I guess police have made two arrests. They've arrested juveniles. How they got the guns? Obviously, the guns were not legal. But a number of people injured, one uh, dead, fatally injured, Some, you know, at a, at a Super Bowl. People expect to be safe when they go to a football game. They're paying big money, hundreds, thousands of dollars, in some cases, to watch a football game. And here you got to worry about getting shot at. Unbelievable. I guess Taylor Swift, I read today, is donating $100,000 to the family of the young lady who was killed. Pretty young young girl. She may, may have been in her 30s, had an Hispanic name. I can't think of her name right off. But it's just, it's just so tragic and needless. All righty. No doubt, that, you know, the left is going to be calling for more gun control laws. So these gangbangers... You know, they get the guns, they, they shoot up the population at large, they shoot up each other, and they face uh, virtually no repercussions. They're let out on no bail here in New York State. But the, the government here in New York State, the legislature, wants to keep tacking on all these anti-gun bills. Wish I had more time. We've got to run. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. If you want to check out all the fine programming we have for you on the BMG Network, check it out. Go to the bmgnetwork.com. Look at this program, which we air at least once a week, The Pac-Man with me, Ted Flint. My daughter, Madeline, is going to start doing podcasts again. She's very busy with with school and uh, some other really fine shows, really good programming. We're working on a, on a column that should be up there maybe Monday, Tuesday of next week on NPR or uh, uh, more specifically the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which funds NPR and, and PBS. Uh, it's basically state-run media, and we pay big money, over a half a billion dollars a year in, in you know tax money. Government takes money from us, supports NPR, which is state-run radio and TV. And at the same time, NP, or, uh, the uh, CPB 
gets all kinds of the donations from these large left-wing corporations. We'll have the column up for you probably by Tuesday. Look for that. It's under the PAC perspective. You want to contact me directly? It's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. And uh, don't forget, hit like. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and share with your friends on social media. Thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.